71% of the Earth's surface is under the ocean. I want you to think about that for a minute. 71% of the Earth's surface is under the ocean. That means that at the bottom of all that water, in the deepest parts of the ocean, 71% of the Earth is forever in darkness. Or consider space. Astrophysicists tell us that 95% of the total mass and energy of the universe is dark. I don't think I understand what I'm saying when I say this. But 95% of the mass and energy of the universe is dark in a sense that it is invisible to us. Dark energy, dark matter. So when you think about it, light is rather rare in the universe, isn't it? At least in terms of what we can actually see. Here and now, you and I have access to electricity, and we can be, if we would like, we can be in the light 24 hours a day. Literally, physically. Without electricity this time of year, it would be very dark indeed. Just two days ago, during the winter solstice, more than 16 hours of the 24 that you get in the day, more than 16 hours was in darkness. Two-thirds. Light is rare in the universe in which we live. Darkness is prevalent, literally and metaphorically. Maybe that's one of the reasons that light is such a powerful force in metaphor and in reality in Scripture and beyond. For example, let's go all the way back to the very beginning. For just a moment... Let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, where the author writes, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And then let's get in our time machine, whether it's Marty McFly's souped-up DeLorean or Doctor Who's TARDIS, and let's leave behind all this stuff at the beginning, and let's zoom all the way to the late 8th century B.C. There, in words that New Testament writers in the early church understood as prophetically speaking of Christ and the coming of Christ, the prophet Isaiah writes, this is chapter 9 of Isaiah, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In another chapter, much later in Isaiah, God says to his people, chapter 60, Arise, shine, we heard it earlier, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Or skip ahead a few hundred years further in our time machine to about 90 A.D. where the Apostle John is writing nearly 60 years since the death and resurrection of Jesus. So John has had more time than just about any other New Testament writer to reflect and think about these things, to consider the Old Testament scriptures and the writings of the prophets and the life and ministry of Jesus. So his writing, at least to me, seems more theological, more poetic right off the bat in words that are meant to take us back and remind us of Genesis chapter 1 that we just heard, John writes this in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now to be sure... Darkness has its gifts to give us. But in the biblical worldview, darkness is not good. 
and it is driven back by the sheer force of light. So we cannot bring a bit of darkness into a room like this one that is well lit. We cannot bring a bit of darkness into the room and then suddenly the whole room will just go dark. We can't do that. But we can most certainly bring a candle into a dark room and watch as the darkness is fleeing before it ever so slightly. Light is more powerful than darkness. By speaking light into the darkness in Genesis 1 and promising light to his people and all peoples in the book of Isaiah and by announcing that in Christ the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, light advances and darkness is driven back. At creation, the command of God, darkness and light became separate realities separate realities that cannot coexist in the same space and time. No, when light comes to town, darkness has to recede to the corners of the room and light takes center stage. Later on in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, chapter 21, God promises a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem that will come down from heaven. And after a long description of this new city, the author writes this of his vision of this new Jerusalem. He says in verses 23-25, The city does not need the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb, Jesus, is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. Light advances. Darkness recedes. Light takes center stage. Light is an important image in the work God has done from the very beginning and will do at the end. So light is also an important member of the cast of the Christmas story. The light of the glory of the heavenly host shines down upon shepherds in the fields. The light of the star guides the magi to see Jesus. And then John speaks of Jesus as containing the life that was the light of all humankind, a light that shines in the darkness and is not overcome by it. This light of Christ, however, was never meant to to stand alone. It was meant to spread. In fact, at one point in the Gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the light of the world. And yet, in another place in the Gospels, speaking to those of us who know him and seek to live as he teaches us to live, he says this in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So one important way in which the darkness does not overcome the light is in the spreading of the light through you and me, through how we live, what we do, what we say, and who we are becoming. Who we are becoming. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are the light of the world. Both are true. In the coming of Christ and in and through those of us who know Christ and seek to follow him, the light spreads. So I'm going to invite you to join with me, and we're going to become a part of the story tonight. We're going to step back into the darkness for just a moment. As best we can, let us enter into an imperfect representation of the darkness in Genesis 1, or the darkness in Isaiah 9, or Isaiah 60, or the darkness in John 1, into which Christ was born
I want you just to take in the darkness for just a minute. Almost the only light you can see is this small flame that represents the light of Christ coming to the world 2,000 years ago. And yet it was not meant to stay there. It was meant to spread beyond that light. So now when I ask the children, you were given those lanterns early on and now you can't see to color them anyway. Why don't you turn them on? Turn on those lanterns wherever they are and raise them up high. There's a little bit of light. All right, the rest of you, if you have your cell phone, pull it out, turn on the flashlight, hold it up high like you're at a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> you can even wave it back and forth. There you go. Go ahead. Wave it back and forth. Keep doing that. Just a minute here. The light spreads. I want you to keep them on for just a little bit longer. Friends, we, what we celebrate this Christmas, as we celebrate the season that we're in, if you have not yet experienced the light of Christ in your own life, I want to invite you to consider starting the new year investigating the light of Christ. If not at ECC, then somewhere where people gather together to celebrate this light. And if you already have the light of Christ within, where might God want to brighten that light and strengthen that light within you and through you into the year to come? What commitments might you be able to make that will be that you could become bearers of the light to your families, to your friends, to your neighbors into the new year?